So first of all, we're going through, since we're on, since we've got some fall break in here, since we've got city, county, even some of the homeschool peeps are on fall break, we're, gonna tie, we're going to take a break from Jonah and from uh, the prodigal son, just to kind of take some time away from that, because I know people are out, so we don't want people to get left behind or, or try to not really know where we are, so we're taking a break. We're going to be in Philemon this week, and then next week... Um, John Crowley's going to be in here, and he's going to walk us through Genesis and the, the seven days of creation, and, and he and I are going to dialogue about that at the end. I think it's going to be awesome. But tonight, we're in Philemon. A um, little bit about Philemon. What's going on? Why are we in here? Uh, there's such a powerful message in this book, just about um, the power of having an honest conversation, the power of approaching people, the power of talking things out, which is something that so few of us really do anymore. Uh, and maybe they've never done it, and that's why Paul wrote about this. But this is what we're going to talk through. So, a couple of things about Philemon before we get started, okay? Um, Philemon is one of the four what's called prison epistles, okay? One of the four prison epistles. Epistle just means letter, all right? It's one of the four letters Paul wrote from prison. At the end of the book of Acts, right? At the end of the book of Acts, in chapter 28, Paul is imprisoned in Rome, Okay, uh, while in prison in Rome, Paul wrote four letters, the four prison epistles. They are Ephesians and Philippians, and then also Colossians and Philemon. Those are the four, right? Um, Colossians and Philemon are often mentioned together, and in a lot of commentaries, they're almost always put together. Now, here's why, because they're not next to each other in the Bible. Here's why Colossians and Philemon are always put together. When Paul wrote this epistle or letter right, to the big church at Colossae, that's the book of Colossians, right? That's to the church at Colossae, the city, um, the church at Colossae, the book of Colossians. But he also wrote a smaller letter to a house church that was in Colossae as well. It wasn't the church, so everybody, but there was a smaller house church that also met in Colossae, owned by a man named Philemon. So that's where, so Philemon lives in Colossae. So these letters were delivered at the same time. That's why they're always put together. So Paul writes an official letter as an apostle, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is the book of Colossians. And he wrote that to the big church at Colossae, but he wrote a much smaller, more personal letter to Philemon and his church and his family. Okay? And I say more personal because, watch this, here we go. Um, look at Philemon verses 1 through 3. I would say chapter 1, but Philemon is literally only one chapter. It's like half a page in my Bible. Which, side note, is why this would be an awesome book to use for quiet time. Because it's super short. So you can tell mom and dad, or whoever you live with, hey, I read a whole book of the Bible this morning. And then, wow, you know what I mean? So use Philemon for this, right? And I think we're going to have the Bible. Yes, Lauren, you are on it. Uh, Lauren sought the Lord today. All right, here we go. So Philemon 1 through 3, all right? So Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's how he introduces himself. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the book of Colossians, Paul introduces himself as Paul an apostle. That's his title, right? 
He introduces himself using his title, Paul the Apostle. But in Philemon, he doesn't introduce himself like that. Did you catch this? In Philemon, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. There's no mention of his apostleship here. In fact, this is the only letter in the entire New Testament written by Paul where he doesn't use his title, where he doesn't say that he's Paul an apostle. And what's interesting is Paul doesn't even do this with Timothy. Now, Timothy is Paul's protege. Timothy is Paul's big-time disciple, right? It's always Paul and Timothy. If you're a Timothy, you've got to find a Paul or, you know, whatever they say. Like, Paul and Timothy, best friends forever, best friends forever. Paul doesn't even use that to address Timothy. In 1 and 2 Timothy, he always says Paul and Apostle. In 1 Timothy 1, in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says Timothy is like his son. And yet Paul never addresses Timothy as personally in a letter as he addresses Philemon. For Philemon, Paul leaves his title out. So something is going on. Why is Paul being so personal? Well, we look back and we see Paul addresses Philemon's family. You saw Apphia, that's probably Philemon's wife. Archippus is probably Philemon's son. And to the church at your house. Did you catch that? And to the church at your house. This tells us two things. One, the church has to hear this letter. So not just Philemon and his family. The whole church needs to hear this letter, and that will be important later. And then number two, it tells us this. Philemon is wealthy. Uh, He owns a large house. He owns a house big enough to have a church in there, right? Um, But Christians had no, because remember, Christians had no buildings yet, right? Christians had no buildings. They suffered persecution because of their faith. They couldn't meet in public in most cities. So they met in houses. So think about it. What would you think would happen to a Christian or a house owner if Christians were caught meeting there, think of the, the, the jail time or worse that would happen if you own a house where Christians meet and then the Christians are captured. So Philemon is taking his house, his family, his status, and he's saying, Jesus is more important than these things. If I have to risk this stuff for Jesus, so be it. And based on how Paul addresses them, it seems like they're all Christians. So he says, Apphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier... Um, So it seems like these guys are all Christians. They're losing their big house, they lose their wealth, they lose their status in society, and they're saying, if that's what it takes for us to get to know Jesus better, then it's worth it. These are the kind of people that Paul's writing to. So look at verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5. And when I find it, we'll read it. There we go. I thank my God always. So Paul's talking to Philemon. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of the love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So I went a little over, but that's okay. In 4 and 5, Paul is talking about his love the love that Philemon is showing towards all the saints. The love that Philemon is showing towards all the Christians. He's very excited and focuses on this, how Philemon is showing love to all these other Christians. He's saying, I hear about how much you've cared for your brothers and sisters in Christ, giving them your home for them to meet in. I think that's awesome, man. And so he's encouraging Philemon and the love 
that he is showing. Now let's look at verse 6, because this is where everybody kind of checks out. So let me explain this. Verse 6. Um, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith, so that's the church, this fellowship of your faith, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Here's what he's saying. When you see people at church, when you see them, when you experience them, when you experience people at your church being kind to one another, forgiving one another, apologizing to one another, welcoming each other, when you see and experience other people serving one another out of love for Jesus, you get a bigger picture of Jesus through that than you can ever get on your own. So through watching other people show Jesus, you get a bigger picture of Jesus than you could ever get by yourself. The more you see people in church showing Jesus, the more you learn about Jesus. For example, it's one thing to hear me preach about forgiveness and to read about Jesus' forgiveness, but to see a member of your church forgive someone, taking that pain, taking that hurt, and it's okay. That's experiencing forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? How you feel what they're doing? Now, when people talk about Jesus' forgiveness, you have a much deeper knowledge of this because you've seen it in another person. You've seen it play out. So now you understand it better than if you just read about it. Your faith in Jesus' forgiveness has grown because you've seen it played out in someone else's life. That's what Paul is praying for. Look at verse 6 again. We'll break it down. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. How does it become effective? Through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you. So I pray that your faith would become effective. It's the same word for powerful. I pray that your faith will become more powerful. How does it become more powerful? Through knowledge of every good thing that is in you. One way your faith grows in power is by seeing it in other people. That's what he means when he says knowledge of every good thing that is within you. Every good thing in this church. Seeing this person show forgiveness. Seeing this person being welcoming. Strengthens your faith. It encourages you. Your kindness grows. Let me back up. Your patience and kindness grow when you see other people show patience and kindness. When you see somebody be kind in a situation where it's really hard to be kind, that stands out to you. And so now you understand kindness better than you ever could if you never saw it. Your kindness grows, your peace grows, your love grows, and all these things add up to your faith growing, your faith becoming more effective. Our peace grows when we learn and watch how older Christians have peace during cancer or after an awful day at work. This is why, so let's back up. This is one of the reasons church is so huge. Because your faith in Christ will grow as you watch other people show Jesus. Look at me. That's not going to happen. That can't happen anywhere else. 
The only people capable of showing Jesus are the church. So it's impossible to grow in Jesus outside of the church, outside of seeing this take place. That's what Paul is praying. I hope your church can keep growing by seeing other people's faith in action. And he gives an example in verse 7. So look at verse 7. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. Why? Because the hearts of other Christians have been refreshed through you. So you see this? Paul saying, I've seen you comfort and refresh other people. And that in turn has comforted and refreshed me. So you see how Paul's watching Philemon show this faith and that strengthens Paul? This happens in church everywhere. And it happens in all of life. If you're angry about something and, and, you're, and you're like keeping that face because you know we're okay, we're okay, we're, God is good, and then someone over here complains, does it not make it so easy to slide down that slope? Or if in practice someone is complaining, it makes it so easy for you to complain? Or if someone's working hard, it makes it easier for you to lean in as well, and now the whole team is pushing, or now the whole group is pushing? We feed off of each other. What you do affects other people. How you show your faith strengthens the faith of other people. Look at verse 8. So Paul, so this is the theme, and this is, and I'm going to explain to you why we're hitting on this so hard, but the big push right now, Paul's talking about, I've seen your faith in action. My prayer is that you would continue to grow in faith by watching other Christians display their faith, show their faith, forgive and welcome and all these things. So verse 8. Therefore, okay, let's stop. So that was great. Therefore, so Paul has written Philemon personally. Remember, not as an apostle, but as a friend. He's mentioned Philemon's kindness. He's talked about how his prayer is that Philemon will continue to act out his faith and see other people act out their faith. Now, with all that in mind, therefore, Paul's going to make his point. Eight and nine. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is necessary, yet for love's sake I appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul of the old, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, what I'm about to ask you to do, Philemon, now think about this, what I'm about to ask you to do, I could order you to do it. I'm an apostle, right? Paul, the apostle. I could order you to do this. Christ has given me the authority to command you to do what I'm about to do. So that tells us that this is going to be maybe a difficult thing. But what, and Paul says, but what a beautiful display of faith. What a wonderful picture of Jesus' free love. And when I say free love, I mean Jesus doesn't love you because He's told to. He loves you because He wants to. Which is so huge. What a perfect example of Jesus' love, Philemon, this would be if you did this on your own, if you wanted to do it. What an example of showing everyone Jesus wants to love you if you wanted to do this. To do what? Verses 10 through 13. I ask you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have had in, and begotten in my imprisonment. Remember, Paul's in prison in Rome. Who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to both you and me. I have sent him back to you, which means he used to be with him. I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending you my very heart. 
whom I wish to keep with me, but on your behalf that he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. So Philemon sends this guy, excuse me, Paul sends this guy that Philemon knows named Onesimus. All right, so everybody, let's, on the count of three, let's, let's get into our Greek here. Everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. Onesimus. Leviosa, right? All right, Onesimus. I got some of you there, and I lost some of you there. Um, so, one, so Philemon has to talk to this guy named Onesimus. Now, that's a weird, even for like, like Paul. It's not, Onesimus is like really getting after it. Does that make sense in terms of a kind of a strange name? That's because Onesimus is not a name in Greek. It's an adjective. It means useful. It's a slave name. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. Philemon was wealthy. Remember, he's got a church, he's got a house big enough where he can have a church in it, right? So he owns a lot of land. He also has slaves and servants. Onesimus was one of them. Look at verse 10. And this is where we really get into the good stuff. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. Begotten means to have a child. This is the idea of becoming a Christian means to be born again. Jesus says this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So when Paul says, I have begotten him in my imprisonment, it means Onesimus was born again while Paul was in jail. Onesimus became a Christian while Paul was in Rome in jail. So why was Onesimus in Rome instead of in Colossae with Philemon? Because he ran away. Onesimus is a runaway slave. Whether it was he ran away out of defiance or whether the working relationship went south. Later verses in, in the chapter kind of suggest that Onesimus may have stolen from Philemon on his way out, though we can't prove that. Either way, Onesimus ran away from Philemon, which is a serious crime. And he then, now okay, follow this. He then meets Paul in prison, then believed and committed his life to the very thing that put Paul in prison. Paul is in prison for sharing the gospel for telling people about Jesus. And Paul has lost everything. He's in jail. Look at me. Look at me. He's in jail. He has lost everything. He has no status. He has no money. And I think we think about that like, oh, Paul's in jail. Oh, amen. He's in jail. He's literally in jail. Because of this, he has no family, he has no money, he has no status, he has only Jesus, and while listening to him speak in a prison cell, something trips in the heart of Onesimus that says, Jesus must be more than status, he must be more than money, he must be more than family, because Paul doesn't have any of these things and he still loves him. Wanting something that costs everything is insane. Unless the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see that He's better than everything. Wanting something that costs everything is insane. Unless the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see that Jesus is better than everything. 
that prison with him is better than being anywhere else without him. This is the undeniable beauty of who Jesus is. Look at me. If you think dating is the best thing, you're not seeing Jesus clearly. If you think being accepted by other people is the best thing, you're not seeing Jesus clearly. If you think physical intimacy or video games or Saturdays or college football is the best thing, then you're not seeing Jesus clearly. I know I like woo with the college football thing there. Jesus is, Jesus is so good. Follow this. Listen to this. Jesus is so good that Onesimus saw Paul in prison, found out Jesus was why Paul's in prison, and he still wanted Jesus. This is not a Jesus that we are familiar with. This is not a Jesus that we, that we think about like this often. Have you ever thought about Jesus as beautiful? Not just as this guy who's the right and the wrong, and, and he gave his life, but, but do you... Do you see him as beautiful? Do you see him as this guy that he sees Paul in prison? Like we, when, you pass, like when you pass homeless people and they start talking to you. This isn't, I'm not going to guilt you. This isn't what that is. But when you pass homeless people and they start talking to you, it's like, oh, okay. And like maybe you listen. Maybe you just walk right by. That's Paul in jail. And Onesimus hears Paul and becomes a Christian because of it. Look at the power of that. It's not even my main point. All right, let's keep going. Um, so it's just, when was the last time you thought about him like that? When was the last time you thought about Jesus like that? Let's see. All right, got into it. Notes are back. Here we go. Um, Matthew 13, if you're, if you're writing stuff down, you don't have to turn there, but you may want to write down Matthew 13, 44. This is my favorite verse in the Bible for a long time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had to buy the field. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what knowing me is like. It's like finding something so good that in your joy, you sell everything you own just so you can have this. That's what Jesus is like. That's why this is here. That's why we do this. Philemon and Onesimus are actually much more similar than we think. They've both given up their lives for Jesus. Right? Remember, Philemon gave his house and his family and all these things. Onesimus left his newfound freedom in Rome to hang out in jail so that he could get to know Jesus better. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. When I find, there we go. So this is Paul talking to Philemon. So this is everything that's happened in verse 10 and 11. Paul's talking to Philemon in verse 12. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart. Onesimus, now follow this. Onesimus ran away from Philemon. He met Paul in prison. He became a Christian, and Paul says, Thank God you've been saved. Now go back to the place that you came from and talk this out with Philemon. 
This is huge. Can you imagine how weird this is going to get? What a weird conversation this is going to get. And we know from Colossians that guess who delivered the letter to Philemon? Onesimus is the guy. So to see Onesimus run away as, as a slave who stole from you, now he comes back with a letter from Paul the Apostle saying that you two need to talk. Look at verses 13 through 14. I wished to keep Onesimus with me so that on your behalf he might continue to minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I didn't want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but instead from your own free will. So this is huge. Paul's in jail, right? We've established that, I think. He's been beaten before. The, you know Paul's life. He's been beaten. He's lost everything. The letter says he's old. He's probably between 50 and 60 at this point in his life. A lot of scholars think Paul probably had some physical, maybe a deformity or an ailment, which might have been the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. We don't know that for sure. And what Nisimus says was ministering to him. Well, how do you minister to an old guy in jail? He's probably helping him eat. He's helping him stay encouraged. He's helping him when he gets... He's helping a weak and tired old man. Have you ever done this thing? This happens to me all the time. Maybe it's just me. It's okay. Um... But you get like, in high school especially, like you kind of get lost in your own head. Like you get into panic mode and you're just by yourself driving or, or, or riding, permanent, whatever. And like you, you kind of, you can't figure out what's going on. And then maybe you go to a friend's house, you talk to a friend. Not even about that. You just need to be around other people and you just kind of, whew. Like you get out of your own head. You know what I'm talking about? Paul's in jail. How often do you think this happens to him? So how useful do you think Onesimus really has been to him? Onesimus was a huge help to a lonely old man. Follow this. Paul, I'm excuse me, Onesimus was a big help to a lonely old man in prison, and Paul sends him away saying, No, no, this is more important. You talking this out with Philemon is more important than you helping me in prison. Look at 15 and 16. 15 and 16. For perhaps, for perhaps he was the. Hold on, let me back up here. 15 and 16. For perhaps he would... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's writing weird for me to read. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while. That you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and the blood. Notice in 15, look at 15. Paul doesn't say... Maybe this is why he ran away. Paul says, maybe this is why he was separated from you. It's Paul's way of saying, it wasn't when, when Onesimus ran away, it wasn't Onesimus doing the separating. Paul's saying, God has separated you guys. God was in control the whole time, and now through me, God is bringing you two back together to have this conversation, to talk this through. Look at 16 again. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. If you look back at verse 7, Paul's talking about his relationship with Philemon, and he says, I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So notice this. Paul uses the word brother in verse 7 to describe his relationship to Philemon. And of course they're close. And then in verse 16, Paul uses the exact same word to now describe Philemon's relationship to Onesimus. 
He's saying because of Jesus, you and Onesimus are now as close as you and I have been all these years. That's crazy when you think about it. That a newborn Christian and a, and a Christian you've been walking with maybe a long time in your life, you guys are all exactly the same amount of closeness because of what Jesus has done. This is the power of the gospel. He's saying, what Jesus has done for you, Philemon and Onesimus, let his sacrifice and his resurrection impact your relationship to each other. Because of Jesus, you are now closer to other Christians than you could possibly know. Because of Jesus, you are closer than family. And what an insult to the union that he built when you split that union by not talking about things that you need to talk about. So often, God is moving in grace in your life, not through the stars aligning or through a burning bush or through Collide or through Beach Camp. It is God orchestrating circumstances and events in your life so that you can have the conversations that you need to have. I feel like so often, this happens in my life. This is not do as I, you know, this is in my life. I feel like so often there's this incredible grace that we are on the edge of having. But we don't get to experience it because instead of having the conversations that we need to have, we say, oh, this is going to be awkward. And you just like moonwalk your way out of the conversation. And so we miss it. One of the biggest points in the book, listen to me, Paul had a helper in prison and he sends him away. Not to perform miracles, not to do anything cool, to talk to Philemon. You don't think slavery is going to come up in this conversation? You don't think Onesimus being kind of a jerk, you stole? You don't think that's going to come up? You don't think Philemon probably being a jerk is going to come up? This conversation is going to be insane. And look at verse 2. It's going to blow your mind. Look at verse 2. This letter is to Atphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. Paul gave up a friend in prison. Let me back up. This letter, right? This letter. Remember, nobody in these days can read hardly. This letter is going to be read out loud by Philemon to his whole church saying, Hey, Philemon, this is Paul. There's Onesimus. You two need to have a conversation. The whole church is about to hear this. Paul gave up a friend in prison so that the whole church at Colossae could see this conversation, could see this forgiveness, could see this reconciliation take place. This is what Paul's been leading us. Remember in verses 4 through 6? Remember the theme of seeing other people's faith being acted out and that strengthens your own faith? This is going to be a huge step for the church if they talk this through. Paul's been setting Philemon up for this the entire time. Working on his heart. I remember the love you showed other Christians. Now strengthen all these other Christians by showing them that Jesus is stronger than your anger. He's stronger than the awkwardness. And in faith, have this difficult conversation. 
Paul understood what Jesus taught and what God has been teaching for thousands of years, and he's teaching you right now. People's lives don't change. The church doesn't grow through rituals, through mystical experiences, through good vibes, whatever that is. They change. People's lives change through one person having a brave conversation with someone else. Not, not, through, not through bashing each other. This is not a license for you to get in the minivan and be like, well, Mom Philemon says, and then you just pash people like you're, you just go off on your family. That's what I'm talking about. He says in here, he says, refresh my strength in the Lord. Trust in the Lord enough to have these conversations. Let me ask you something. What conversations do you need to have? What are the things in your life with your family, with your friends, with the people close to you, that if you would just bring it to light, something might happen. But you won't, because it's, it's weird. What are the things that you need to step into? Like, I mean, imagine how hard this is going to be for Philemon. His whole church just heard Paul say, hey, bro, you guys need to have this conversation. The whole, this is a book of the Bible that's about how important it is to trust the Lord by stepping into an awkward conversation. Think about that. Don't look at Brooke's hair. Look at me. This is how important this is. An entire, because this is haunting, you guys. And I know what happens in middle school. I know what happens in high school. I, it happens in college. You think this goes away as an adult? A whole book of the Bible has been written to talk about trust the Lord enough to have a weird conversation that you need to have. Trust the Lord enough to say, hey man, I think you're really off on this. Hey man, I just went to church and I feel like you and I need to talk. This is huge. This is a book of the Bible. Paul brought people back from the dead. And he wrote a book about talk to this person. And this isn't one of those where I'm making you feel guilty for not sharing the gospel. I'm not doing that. But this is one of these where I know, I know there's stuff going on in your life with mom or dad or both or uncle or friends that really grades on you and it's wearing on your soul. And if you would step in and speak, something might happen. And maybe nothing will happen, but gosh, you'll feel better. And again, this isn't licensed to just, you know, on people. That's not what I'm saying. But it is this idea of there are conversations that have got to be had. It would be so awesome. It would be so awesome. Spend time in this this week. After the sermon in just a minute, we're going to actually give you an opportunity to spend some time in Philemon this week with a new tool that I think is going to be awesome. Um, but let's pray and let's worship for a minute.